This is The Dose, The Dose of Positivity, hosted by the one and only Mike Diamond. On today's episode, Mike Diamond sits down with Chris Booker. Chris is a TV radio personality and podcaster. He currently hosts two live shows, a weekly podcast with Perez Hilton and a live show with Stryker. He has worked as a correspondent for the TV God channel covering red carpet events such as Live at the Grammys with Joan and Melissa Rivers and Live at the Kids' Choice Awards. He also served as a host for many shows including TV Talk, Sushi TV, and What's on DVD. From 2000 to 2003, Booker was a full-time VJ on MTV and MTV2. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Diamond. This is a dose of positivity. I am so stoked today. I have my good friend for over 20 years, Chris Booker. I will give you plenty of information before the episode of who Chris is because we're going to jump right into this and we ha- i haven't seen him in so long and i'm so happy right now how are you brother i'm doing very well thank you for having me on man dude it's so good i mean I'm, I'm, have you when was the last time you spoke to kane I talk to him all the time because he's still, you know, radio person. So us radio people were kind of a tribe and we uh, we all, you know, we're, we all talk to each other periodically. So probably like, I don't know, a month ago, maybe. I, I went on his, I went on his show, um, the Corey and Kane show. Mm-hmm. And he was like, because he, he, he's like, how long have I known you for? I said, we want to get real. I said, like 20 years. He's like, man, when? I said, we, we met at Chaos. Chaos. That's where I met you. The first time I met you was through Kane at Chaos. I believe we were being thrown out and you got us back in. (laughs) That's what he goes. He goes, do you remember that situation? You you got us back in. We were thrown out. You got us back in. Um, And I was like, yeah, it was nonstop. But that was that we were trying to talk about snitch and the chaos of what was New York. Like yeah. New York was kitchen. such a fun place. We were there for the end of the fun of New York, I believe. I, I you know, oh. I, I don't believe Manhattan is having the fun that we had anyhow. I mean, the Lower East Side was alive and, and, and vibrant and fun. And it was still affordable and interesting. People could still be in Manhattan. And that that whole artist downtown dangerous sort of vibe has disappeared. And it's all bankers and boring people. Sucks. So let's go all the way back, books. Where did you start? So now I'm going to fill in people uh, earlier in the, like when the show starts of, you know, being a radio DJ for 20 years, 30 years, like 30 years, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a VH1 host and everything. But where did it all start for you? Were you born in New York or where did it start? No, I grew up in West Virginia. Um, I was poor, to be honest with you. I came from a trailer park in West Virginia. I didn't think I would ever get out of a place like that. And radio really punched my ticket for me just sort of falling into that career but yeah i had a friend that was hold on one second so Mm -hmm. were you all right when you say west virginia i just went to west virginia like that's just crazy but what were you doing at at high school were you good at high school did you study where did the inspiration come to be a radio guy i think i was a horrific student I, i i was a c to d student at best um i didn't like to study i wasn't very good at it um i was into the arts you know if you will like i liked acting i fell into that like my freshman year of high school um i turned out i was actually pretty good at that except for memorizing my my uh scripts and such you know i was i was never good at that i stressed that every single performance but um yeah and i had a love for music my thing was music and i had the radio on i slept with the radio on there was no time of day that the radio wasn't on so I, i guess i was being programmed and trained 
much before I even had the thought of even being inside of a radio or speaking to people uh, on the radio. So I just, I just had a love for it. And the love of music was really it. And I was lucky enough to have a friend that was on the radio locally and it just sort of fell into place where I took a overnight weekend job while I was in college and it just stuck and I haven't looked back. What were you doing in college? <sighs> Drinking. <laughs> no college for me. Uh, I didn't have study. What were you studying? Uh, what were you communications. Studying? I didn't study communications. Oh, okay. but so it makes I, sense. So it was, Yes. It wasn't like you were um, pre-med. <laughs> no, no, I don't think I would have been eligible for any of those programs. <laughs> um, communications for sure. I think I could have been, but uh, I was a terrible student and it wasn't the, it wasn't for the lack of trying even in college. I just didn't have time. I was, I worked at a clothing store. Uh, I did overnights on the radio and I was a full-time student living in the dorms. I was like, you know, if you'd see the 80s movies where there'd be like some kids sleeping all of the time in the middle of a party, that would be me. It'd be Friday nights and the, the entire, you know, all the doors of the dorm would be open and I would be the guy that was dead to the world sleeping because it was the, you know, first four hours in a row I could get of sleep. Oh, wow. So books, so you're in, you get this night gig. When mm -hmm. did you make the transition in New York? And then, because, like, you were on K-Rock forever. You were the guy. Like, mm -hmm. and, we, uh, that's, and this is, for people listening, this is, when I say the guy, this is Howard Stern era. This is the real <laughs> I was going to say, not, he was like, the guy. <laughs> no, we were the, the ancillary characters. <laughs> you know what I mean? But everyone has yeah. a podcast now and tries to be cool. You were doing the podcast thing. People are like, oh, Joe Rogan, I'm like, dude, Booker and that came were doing it 20 years ago before <laughs> Joe Rogan. Was, he was at the comedy store trying to get a gig. Like, yeah. so how did the transition out? How'd you get to New York? Well, I, I went from a small station in West Virginia. I took a job in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Myrtle Beach took me to a smaller market, believe it or not, in Florence, South Carolina. I went back to Myrtle Beach. I moved to Kansas City. I moved to Pittsburgh after that. Pittsburgh to New York. Bounced around a few stations in New York. Went to Philadelphia. Went back to New York. Moved out to California about... 12, 13 years ago. So it's been quite a journey. Wow. And then yeah. New York for how many years? Because I knew you when you're, the, when you're at the peak. I think I did. I, I know I lived in New York for a total of 13 years. I believe I was on the radio for maybe seven or eight of those years. Uh, a couple yeah. of years, I disappeared to do television. But I was still doing part-time radio somewhere or on Sirius. Or, uh, I never really stopped doing radio. I just wasn't on you know K-Rock, if you will. How did the how how is this transition? Because we were before social media. Mm -hmm. I remember saying to someone in two thousand and six <laughs> when we had Snitch, and you were there. You were there every night. We always you used were to there. Plug me on the radio mm -hmm. free every night. We did the best New Year's Eve party together. I remember, I remember those. I, I mean, I vaguely remember most of those nights, but I do remember that New Year's Eve party. That was a <laughs> that was like the most you couldn't get away with having a party at a place that packed anymore. The the fire marshal would come. I mean, we we were stacking people up at that place that night. It was it was <laughs> remember insane. the night someone asked me. They're like, because you, you, this is a crazy story. You know, I'll have sixteen years of sobriety in April, mm -hmm. and I mentor Scott Weiland's son now. Mm -hmm which is crazy, right? He was like four <laughs> Full circle. Scott was in the bar. Crazy. So 16 years sober, me, of all people. That and, blows um, my mind. <laughs> just knowing, just on, knowing the stuff that we did and the things that we were up to back then in our crazy 20s, you know, it's uh, 
But it's, it's, when you think back about on that. It, if I can get 16 years, anyone listening can get 16 years. Like 100%. the crap that we used to do. A hundred percent. We had our foot on the gas every night. There was no... <laughs> oh, you were always a bright so guy. Even, even wasted, you were still uh, pontificating on something, and, and always a very intelligent, bright guy. And I was always like, "Is it the accent? Maybe it's just the accent." I'm like, "No, what's coming out of this mouth is actually pretty, pretty uh, intelligent." So, yeah, Dude, I gotta talk with it. So you're gonna love this. So Kane goes to me. What you'll love this. Kane goes to me. Whatever happened with your VH1 show with Wyland? And I'm like. Booker was in it. He's like, no, I go, Booker had a really big role. And I'll tell you what happened. True story. They tested it and it tested really well. And between the testing period, I got sober. And I was like, ooh, like I'm like really fucked up. Scott Weiland sidekick. You had this, I'm going to show you. I've got the footage of you and Karen in the radio oh, station. come on, really? I've got the footage. I swear to God. I had forgotten that I did that. How about that? <laughs> I forgot. How's this? You're going to love this. You're going to love this. That is, gets better. If you were great. Kane goes to me. Booker was in it. You call me up one day. I'm standing in the background waving at you and Booker, and the camera passes by me. Goes, that's my claim to fame. I'm gonna wave at Booker and Diamond in the show. Like, he was in so- Sex in the City. He trumped everyone. Oh my God! Remember, and he was eating the KFC stone. Yeah, uh-huh. good times. A, I, I when about- I think back at those times, it's it's funny because I knew I was doing this this morning, and a and a wave of those memories started to come back to me, and just things that I forgotten like you just mentioning that reality show that took me to i know we shot something outside once i know we shot something in a basement of a bar that i'd never been to maybe in midtown somewhere yeah and and it's things like that that like you know when you've done a whole career of media crap and seeing people and you forget about these little things and they were when you go right back to that moment you're like man those were such fun times and the you know, flying by the seats of our pants. It was, uh, it was such an incredible time, right? Like it's, you couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep up with myself. You know, it was special. And I said this time to some of the other day, you were there when Velvet Revolver played at Snitch. Mm -hmm. And I go, what was special? It was no social media. There was no phones. If you were there, you were there. And you looked around the room at each other and went, this is really cool. Yeah, there was social social media has robbed the world of spontaneity, spontaneity and the 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 element of surprise with everything. You know, there was no if if Scott Weiland was playing your bar, we didn't have camera phones. Okay, if someone happened to have a camera, maybe, but no one, you know, none of us deckheads were carrying cameras. No way (laughs) you were you were forced to be in the moment. All of the time, you were forced to be present. Being present is a very—it's um, a great thing that's overlooked in the world now because everyone sees something, they forget about where they are, and it's almost like they're trying to capture it for this moment that they're going to look at later. And then, when you when you look at it later, you'll realize you didn't live in that moment. It wasn't—it wasn't fun for you. It wasn't exciting. And you—you you know, when you but when you go back and you think about these times and they come across your memory and I see your face and I'm like, man, I love this dude. I've always loved this dude. And, and, and that, that warmth that I just think that people are being robbed of today because they're missing out on these, on these such, such precious in the moment 
moments that are so important in life. And I, I feel bad for this generation. That's just this all the time. And, yeah. you know, it, it's it, this virtual so world is, that we're moving towards is scary. Well, this metaverse thing as well, yes. like this whole uh, detached like reality of like, but I, I had a, I have a conversation. Yeah, but no, no, no. You do it on the metaverse. I'm like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> like I'm having a conversation. Like, let's talk now. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember telling someone. I go, they go, I go. It's different for me. I grew up. I was. I like really grew up in New York in the sense of that's where I had to cut my teeth. And I said, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm standing at the front of a club. It's four in the morning. There's an Albanian guy threatening my life to get in at Chaos Nightclub on Houston Street. There's no metaverse. This is reality. If I don't let him in, he may shoot me, stab me, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. We'll get in a brawl, whatever. I go, that's reality. Like, the, I always say to people, the food is not the menu. Mm-hmm. Like, in the sense of you can look at a burger, but until you suck the burger in or you can look at something, until you experience it, I go, you can't experience in, in, in a virtual world. Mm-hmm. Like, you're losing actual context of life because well, you've got to go out and fail. And to take it right and to take it. That's the next part of it. The next step of it. When you have a generation of people that haven't fallen down, they're like, uh, never, never. they've never experienced hardship. They don't, they, they, they completely melt down when things don't go their way. And the first reaction is call mommy. And this is not fair. And I'm triggered. It's like, Oh my God, give me a (laughs) fucking trigger. I'm triggered. What? Oh, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to feel bad. This didn't work out for you. And it's supposed to make you stronger. And it's supposed to make you say, Hmm, I'm going to try it differently. I'm going to hit it from a different angle next time, but I'm going to make it work. This whole coddled generation is very scary. And, and to you take it as, to, to your point, with the, the metaverse is a scary place because you don't experience this stuff. It's all this fake plastic world that's not real. That's not reality. You know, I said to someone, they, they like, I said to someone, there's two types of human beings, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's this, I call it the swimming pool and the ocean. So you came from the ocean. And what I mean by is that came from West Virginia for nothing. I came from Australia with nothing. And basically you're thrown into the ocean and it's sink or swim. You're around sharks, whales, right. savages, and you've got to learn to tread water. If you tread water, you'll be successful. You couldn't have come from where you've come and traveled where you've traveled to have the career you've had if you weren't from the ocean. Now, I like that. There's a I like that metaphor. That's nice. Pool, right. But there's a generation growing up in the swimming pool. You're right. Which means if you go into a swimming pool, there's no waves. It's a controlled environment. You get in and you get out whenever you want. Mummy, daddy brings you snacks and it's safe. <laughs> and you've got floaties on, on top of it. <laughs> right. But you feel what I'm saying? I know exactly you what you're saying. An entitled kid from the swimming pool. And you put that kid up against a dog that survived on a bone in in the ocean. You're going to lose. I always have this. <laughs> You're going to lose. lose. You know why? Yeah. If you don't do the work in the dark, you get exposed in the bright lights. Mm. Right? If you do the work in the dark. I, right? But makes what perfect people sense. Think, people think that. The, the, the career you've had on radio, like I said to Kane, I had to talk Kane the other day, I'm like, Kane, stop. What makes people confident and gives themselves confidence is not saying affirmations, right? I don't, I don't believe in affirmations, I'll tell you why. <laughs> a tiger 
doesn't go to jungle school. A tiger doesn't have to reaffirm it's a tiger, right? You don't have to get up and say, oh, Chris Booker, I'm a great radio DJ. I'm a no, you know why? Because you put in 20 years. Yeah. So when you have skill, right, you're so good you can't be ignored. Mm-hmm. So I don't give a fuck if 50 kids make podcasts. I'm going to listen to you and Kane because you've done it for 20 years. Yeah. There is a definitive difference of the people that have put in the the, the old saying, the, the 10,000 hours, the work. Yeah. And, and there's an easiness to listening to someone that understands how to present information to you and the people that don't. And I always, I always laugh when people say, you know, God, radio is so easy. It's got to be so easy. You just sit in that room and you talk and you say, uh-huh. Well, if you think it's so easy, come on up, try it. And have I, it. Have at it. Have at it, right? <laughs> you'll enjoy this. You'll love this diamond. I did this once. Uh, and this was actually earlier in my career. I was probably only seven, seven, eight years in. Um, and I was working in Pittsburgh and uh, I was a total like stern wannabe butthole on the radio, like just hanging up on people. But I was I was starting to get good and I was starting to understand how to fight with people, how to win every argument, how to just present my show the way I wanted to. And someone called up one night and gave that exact rap that you're terrible at this. You uh, anyone could do this. I could come up and do your job. And I'd said this. Okay. I'll tell you what, what's your name? Guys like Bob. I go, Bob. I said, Bob, um, it's going to be the Bob show tomorrow night from nine to nine 15. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to run your board. I'm going to run the console. We're going to do anything Bob wants. We're going to have the Bob show tomorrow night. It's going to be great. Everybody, you got to tune in just to hear how easy this is for anyone to do. So Bob comes rolling up to the station, you know, cocky as could possibly be just as he was on the phone. We sit down in a room. He's got a microphone in front of him and I am a mute. I sit over there and I say nothing. And he looks at me and it hits him. What do I do? What do I say? And I said to him, I Bob show, let's hear it. Come on. This is the palette I have every night too. What do I do? What do I say? But yet it gets done every single night. And you picked up the phone to call me, which tells me I did something right. My job. So Bob literally walked out of there two to three minutes of just awful, horrific, unlistenable radio tail tucked between his legs, walked out like I had no idea. And I said, that's when you know someone's good. When you think it's easy and then you could do it, try it. It's not that easy. You know, <laughs> anyone, can talk, anyone can talk, but not everyone can be interesting. And that's what that's the difference. You know, you know what? It's funny. You said that. So I remember when I was in L.A. and I, and I was trying to sell a show when I left New York. Mm hmm. And my agent at the time said, Gersh said, uh, can you, would you ever do stand up comedy? I said, just book me. I'll figure it out. She's mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? And she's like, I'm like, well, if I can't, I can't. If I can, I can. So I went to the comedy store and watched people do jokes. I said, I can do it. Don't worry, I'll write a routine. I'll do it. Book me. She wouldn't book me. So I got pissed and set up a show at the Pig in the Whistle down the street, called mm-hmm. the comedy store, had an agent come to look at me. He scouted me. He said, you, you're, I'm going to put you in the first slot. I said, no problem. So they put me in the belly room. I invited all my friends down there, you know, in the club business. 50 people showed up. They go, have you ever done comedy? I said, don't worry about it. You'll love it. Because I studied everyone. I nailed it. They put me, the second show was in the main room, right? Mm-hmm. This guy came back, the guy that was booking the shows. Now, Rogan and um, the girl that's really famous with uh, 
what's his, what's her name? Whitney Cummings. They were mm. in another room, the original room. And we were in the, on the main room that night and they'd circulate the acts, right? Everyone would go into a different room. This was 2009, 2010. So I nailed it. And this guy came up to me that worked me in the club business. And he, he came to the show. He's like, you've never done comedy. I go, no. He's like, you just did a comedy show. I go, dude, either I'm going to be good or I'm going to suck. I've got to take that risk with myself. You know, if I'm looking yeah. at people thinking I can do it, step in yeah. and do it. If you can't, shut up <laughs> or get better. <laughs> or get don't better. say you can do it. Do you know what I mean? That's like when I yeah. ran the 30 half marathons, right? I ran 30 half marathons in 30 days after stomach surgery with a hernia, right? Mm -hmm. And I only did it because I'd made the challenge to myself. I'd ran one, I said I could run 30. Everyone's like, dude, you're gonna die. <laughs> and I ran it and someone said, how'd you do it? I said, "Just I just stood in it long enough and said, I gotta figure this out if I commit to it. I'm not the smartest guy, but I'll commit. And like with you with radio, like I watch you guys and I watch all these other people and I'm like, you know, this is gonna burn out. They're like, oh, I've got a podcast, I've got this. I'm like, no, I know the guys that have done it for 30 years. It yeah. doesn't work like this. It's, it's so a, it's hard. A, and it's a grind. That's the thing, coming up with something every day and showing up somewhere every day, being in the right headspace every day, being able to park your entire problems of your world and to talk for four hours and stand there uh, ready to go you know, 10 rounds or so four hours hard. worth every single day. It is a grind. It's a beating. But, uh, you know, if you love it, Where do you, you get good going? at it. Where's the future? Where's the future for podcasts? Where's the future for you online? Where does it go? You know, it, it, who knows? I think it goes back to everything you said. If you're talented, you're talented. And if you know what you're doing, you'll find work. There's a finite, there's a finite amount of people, I think, that understand, A, that it's a grind, and B, that can do the work every single day. And I had always thought, wow, at some point, this is going to peter out for me because there'll be some young, hungry kid behind me that's out there putting in the work that's uh you know it's it's almost like watching an nfl athlete they they look at tape from 30 years ago and like man those guys are slow like those guys are they're they're yeah. you know they're these guys are magicians now because they just everyone ups the game but it's weird in the broadcast game that hasn't happened it, it's not um they haven't done a great job of looking for the next generation of broadcasters no, so i think you just nailed something booker you just nailed something i never thought of so with sport, right, it's unlike – sorry, so the information era, era has, has created a bunch of people that you could be the toughest guy at the barbecue and then you could still fight in the UFC. Mm -hmm. But in broadcasting in law, TV is different because you can YouTube that all day, right? Mm -hmm. But like in sports – you can't kind of fudge your way into the NFL or the NBA. No, you will be right? outed. You will be outed for certain. You I can't. Mean, you know what I'm yeah. saying? There's you can do one thing great. Well, it's baseball. Play. Baseball players is a better analogy because there's right. so yes. many guys that can that can sit there and say, I can hit a 100 mile per hour fastball and they can. <laughs> and you're like, how do you do that? Then they see the first hook, the first curveball that comes at them. 
and they duck and fall over and they just can't understand it. You know, the guys that give ev- understand every aspect of that game. I mean, it's it's such a great game to me. People are like, baseball's boring. I'm like, then you don't know what's going on no. with baseball or you've never played before. It is not a boring yeah. game. There's strategy going on in every single second and every single move. And to yeah. be able to do every facet of that game, you have to be truly talented to your point. You have to you you have to put the But time I think in. you nailed it with the radio stuff. I think what's happened is people like they do they because they, they, they're running the sprint and not looking at the marathon and they mm-hmm. don't realize that like to be a great film actor you've got to study and you've got to put in the film work you can't do youtube every day now mm-hmm. of course there's the jake pauls that get lucky to fight mayweather right, right? and there is the weird anomaly too of the person that is just for whatever reason like the jennifer freak. lawrence of the world the freak that just that looks at acting and say oh i get that robert downey jr or whomever that just says Oh, that makes sense to me. I can do that. And they could do it like that. Those are freaks, though. Most of us out in Gen Pop, we're not freaks. We had to put so much time into anything and everything that we try to attain. And it's it's a grind. But I think that that makes you recession-proof because I don't think the generation before us has the discipline and work ethic to pay the price. And to our initial conversation of, you know, that not putting it in and not being willing to fail. You know, we get the kids and I've seen them over the year. They come into the radio station and they're, uh, you know, they're uh, first part time job and they're looking into the studio on the first day, which is fine. You can look into the studio and say, I want to do that. But they truly, honestly believe I'm interesting enough that I should be in there right now. And I'm looking at them like, no, I started overnights on the weekend running the board and I used to run, you know, wash the van. And I used to go out on things called pool patrols where I would go out and hand cassettes out to listeners. And really, <laughs> while while listening to the radio and the whole time and trying to figure out, like, what the fuck am I supposed to be doing? You know, uh, Th- that's gone. It's that I need yeah. it now. It's the, but it's the, and you know, not listen, not the rag on like Kardashianism of the world, but it is that it's that, Hey, they're doing nothing. And there's obviously no skill there. That's just a family of people that have no talent whatsoever. It, once again, everything, <laughs> everything's arbitrary. You, you know, if you find that interesting, great. I don't rag on anyone that finds that interesting, no. but to debate if there's talent there or not, I'm sorry, there isn't. But there is a whole facet of this this generation that believes that, they, people. that that like yeah. I deserve that because they were the anomaly. It's like no, no, no. The, the 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 cards were already stacked in their favor. Okay, they were here in Los Angeles. Your dad was an Olympic athlete. That you walked into this. One was a lawyer, famous on the OJ trial. Most people don't have that kind of resume in front of them when they've been given the world on a platter. That's not that's an anomaly. That's a that's an L.A. pipe dream. So but when you get people truly believing and thinking like, wow, it's that easier. I I'm that interesting. This just in. No, you're not. Yeah, (laughs) just not. But I think you nailed it when you just said where people I learned this great thing to be more interested than interesting. Mm-hmm. So I just focus on other people now. Like, yeah. how can I help you? How can I be of service? Am I bringing value to you? Mm-hmm. Is what I'm doing bringing value to you? So if I come back to me and where it shifted for me in my sobriety was like, well, if I can inspire people, educate people, and motivate people, right? And you read my first book. I just got a book deal for my second book, right? The, the publisher was amazing. I 15 rejections, two agents. Like, you know what he said? You know why I'm giving you a book deal? 
I said, no. He's like, it's it, because you're not writing for yourself. I can tell you, you want to, you, you're figuring out who your audience is and you're telling real stories and you fuck up a lot. And because you make so many mistakes, people need to know. And there's another thing, like I try to tell people is like, people look at a snapshot of someone's life and they, they, they do the highlight reels and it's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. And they live in comparison. And I'm like, they don't live like that. They don't. It's all garbage. <laughs> I get the calls when, they, when they're ODing. I get the calls when they're head. And we've been there with some of the biggest stars in the world going, dude, really? Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, so he's a, so there's a young kid sitting at home right now. He's listening to Chris Booker. He hears you on radio. He's like, I wish I was Chris Booker. I wish I had his life. If you're mentoring someone, First of all, did you ever have a mentor? I don't know if I had a mentor per se. No, I, I wish I had. I wish I had a little bit more guidance because I think I, there are some things I've, I, I, I would have known better. There's some things I would have said yes instead of no to or not poo-pooed on or thought that wasn't cool. I, you know, I, I think there was a lot of that in my career. Uh, but I try to be one as much as possible now. I mean, I'm always like trying to build up the kids. So what that do you are tell a kid me. now that wants to make it? Number one, number one, just show up, be there when you say you're going to be there, be on time, be prompt. Your birthday is not a fucking holiday. Okay. No one cares. No one cares. Show up every day. And all And the number two, the best advice I could give anybody Tell people what you want to be. Tell them, I want to do this or I'm going to do this. Because if you tell enough people at some point in your life, it, it may be five years down the line, it may be tomorrow, there will be someone that says, oh, we're looking for that. And that person in their mind will say, hey, I got the guy. I got the girl. I got the person yep. that would that wants this. Hey, let's try that person. So be vocal in what you want and show up, show up, be early, be prompt, be on time, be courteous, be nice, really be nice. That's, you know, there's going to be people yeah. that aren't nice and don't cry and crawl up into a ball and call mommy when it doesn't work out. And that's what Hollywood's doing now. It's so funny with all these television shows like Ellen was so mean to me. I had TV producers. I worked at entertainment tonight. I had producers that were the meanest women in the world. Okay. Did I ever cry and go, she yelled at me and she told me to, you know, go walk five miles to the story, which I have had to do before the New York blackouts. A great story. I have to tell you that one sometime, but I've had some really mean had to beat me down. But at the end of the day, I pull back the lens. They all made me better. Every single one yeah. of them. They only did it because they wanted their show to be good and they needed me to be good. And invert inadvertently, I became better. So and I, I think that, you know, stop crying, stop whining. That person's hard on me. They it should be. <laughs> Anything you yeah. want, if it's easy, it's probably not worth it. Well, if it's easy, everyone gets it as well. Yeah, boring. true. Everyone can do it. It's boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Success. I, I think everybody, you look back on your life. It's not the successes. It's the times you fall down because when you fall down, the getting back up is fun. It's, it's like, I'm going to do it. I'll figure this shit out. I'm going to understand this. And I remember the lows more than I remember the highs. Yeah. And like you said, I think it's, it, it's the lows that give us character. Sure. Sure. 
I agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, there's no story unless there's a comeback. It's the hero's journey. Yeah. You know, if you don't face that middle part when you go into self-discovery and you're like, well, who the fuck am I? And you get challenged, you're like, mm, shit, how bad do I really want it? It's true. Do you know, like, so like true. life is giving me, handing me like twos all the time. And I thought I was going to get aces. <laughs> and I'm like, playing this deck, right. like, another three? <laughs> Damn it. Dude, another fucking four. Yeah. This is, but what kind of deck is this? So I, I remember um, more hands that I almost hit than the ones that I actually did. <laughs> all the time, right? The, yeah. It's always the one that got away. It's yeah. always like, dude, I was right there. And it's like, no, you weren't. Because no, you weren't. <laughs> right. What was that? There was a question I was going to ask you. Um, oh, so, all right. So, so people listening at home, it's important. Then I'll, I won't bug you anymore. You're a craftsman when it comes to articulating certain things on air, understanding information. Um, when you get that information, also putting it out in a way that people can have an open perception. How do you, how does someone practice their craft of what you do and what, what tips would you give them if they're starting out? And, and let's just, just for you, forget the person that wants to take the shortcut. I'm talking about the person that goes, you know, I really want a career in radio or broadcast or actually to do podcasts seriously. What, what, what's their craft? What do they have to do? Look at the things that are involved in anything you're doing. For me, it's language. First, so understand the human language, understand English, understand the language that you're using, know how to use it. A lot of people don't. A lot of people um, fumble that a lot. Uh, know that, love it, embrace it. Um, I, I would say that and learn how to tell a goddamn story. Um, that's all life is, I think, is listening to someone tell their story to a in a way that you want to respond to or do you want to understand to or do you want to be inspired by it for for a broadcaster it's knowing how to tell a story and i'll tell you a story with that answer i remember once being on stern it was right when i came to new york and howard had asked me to cover some event where he was getting an award because he was never going to show up and i went and uh, another broadcaster grabbed howard's award and slammed it to the ground and it was amazing so i had to go on and tell the story so i'm um, 24 i don't know how old i am 24 25 i can i'm in new, i've made it to new york but i've realized you know that was in little segments of talking and djing i didn't really uh when the mic when, when it was mine and the light was shining on me i wasn't able to articulate the story as well as i should have been able to at that point and howard on the air threw me under the bus said you have to learn how to tell a story you idiot like i sent you there and he totally like dressed me down and it was heartbreaking and yet he was a hundred percent right i couldn't tell the story as i just told it to you i fumbled around and well, this guy did this and that and I, I spoke it too fast and i was too nervous and i didn't like accept the moment and say this is answer the question that was asked of you and tell the story so learn how to tell your stories <laughs> really do um learn how to listen yeah you know what you know that because sometimes the power of a story um even in a bad situation i've got out of situations by telling a story to allow someone to identify with a similar situation in their life mm -hmm. and then their perception changes 
Mm-hmm. All I do in interventions is tell stories. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. I don't actually, I know the person's high on drugs and all I have to, like someone said, oh, you save lives. I'm like, I can't save your life. I can give you information mm-hmm. and intervene to help you make a better choice. And I can tell you stories about my past and great things that have happened to me by just making better choices. It's up to you. If you want to walk into the treatment center or if you don't want to, oh, I'm still going to go to the next job. It's the truth. Like, you know what I mean? I can't. But yeah. what you nailed is so beautiful because people get, and, and what you just said is so beautiful as well, is like, don't get caught up in your own story that it's that interesting. The, what's more interesting to me is your story. You know what I mean? Even with this podcast, it's like hearing where you've come from. I know you, but I know like people are going to listen. They'll go, oh, my God, I'm going to like, it's just, it's yeah. it's so, so amazing. Well, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Um, where everyone can find you. I, no, you're not with Perez anymore. You've got your No, no, show. I still do a podcast with Perez Hilton. It's the Perez okay. Hilton podcast with Chris Booker. You can download that. That's a very fun show because that is two people right, with there well there we're siskel and ebert that's an old reference but we are night and day he believes all of the shit that shoveled to him and i refuse to believe anything that's the show um i this online fodder and the way that people think and the the fact that people are willing to accept the stuff that they're shoveled to them daily is endlessly fascinating to me and i love doing a show about it and someone just called me this morning and left a message and they're like i hate booker because he always disagree with disagrees with perez i'm like well he's wrong all the time i don't know what else to tell you he's just he how did you get him being such a this is so good but how'd you get at the show being such a polar opposite it's 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 funny i was only i was filling in for somebody else on the radio and where he did a segment and him and i it was like that from the first time where he said something and i was like well i don't agree i think it's probably like this and at some point he was uh, approached to do a podcast and they brought all these women they were they wanted to pair him with a woman and and um he was like eh, 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 and they said you know at the end what do you think? And he said, well, what about that guy that fills in for Carson Daly? He goes, I like that guy. He's funny. Like, and he never agrees with me. That'd probably be a good show. And that was seven years ago. And we've done a show every week, sometimes two for the past seven years. So it's, uh, it's been a good Amazing. run. Yeah. So it's good. And, it, and what's the other show? One you just got? I work at all 98, seven. I just partnered with a, with another radio veteran. His name's Stryker. And, um, we were literally 12 days in on an afternoon show on uh, Alt 98.7, which is on the iHeartRadio app. If you want to download that out of Los Angeles, we do afternoon drives. So, yeah. And we talk about a myriad of stupid things every day. So this is what I want people to understand. The reason you're successful and the reason we get along so well is because you're authentic. And you just proved it by not trying to be Perez. So don't follow these people that you think you need to follow. Be you. Mm-hmm. And Booker just said it like me. Booker's known me 20 years. I'm still this crazy, still the same, <laughs> same crazy guy. Australian. Yep. Just without same the guy. booze. <laughs> just without the booze and the cocaine. And I tell people as well, like, I'm like, I'll still kick someone in the face, but it's a spiritual sidekick. <laughs> so I've still got your back. I'm yeah. the guy to call if you need to bury your body. I'm yeah. Mike Diamond. I'm cool. I'll help you out. That's situation. You have the same I'll energy. You know? you if you're my buddy in the parking lot. It's the you, truth. I'm the you, same guy. Same guy. It's, uh, you know, one uh, had alcohol in his breath. <laughs> you're the same guy. It's the same person. I had one had cocaine up his nose. And I'll go, I need to get a picture of us so I can post it. Smile books. 
Oh, oh mate, hold on, there you go. <laughs> Dude, you are my favorite person in the world. Diamond, I love you. You're, you. you're the best. Been. You're the sweetest guy you've the always had been. The New York days were the greatest days. Uh, only a real New Yorker and people like us experienced. I miss you. I know you're in L.A. now. Um, I'm out near uh, Pasadena, Glendora, okay. Pasadena. Mm -hmm. So when you get time, I'm going to come out, see you, have lunch, man. I love you. Thank you for taking the time, Booker. You're the best, brother. Thanks, Mike. I'll see you soon. Bye, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, man. Thanks. Dude, so good. Good stuff. Oh my god! I'll I'll send you clips. I'll, I'll I'll grab stuff for your bio and I'll put in a VO and we'll get it done. And oh man, I'm so 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 happy for you. It's just so good to see you. And it's good to guys. see your face. It's just good to hear your voice, and uh, it just brings back so many memories and so many nights in that back kitchen, fucking shooting the shit about God <laughs> dude, knows what. Dude, you know what? This is the best. You know what, Kate? I remember I told Kate on the show. I go, so Booker pulls me aside one night. He goes, Diamond, you have a kitchen. I go, yeah. And he goes, you don't have a chef. I go, we don't need a chef. All we do is cocaine in the kitchen. And he's like, what? And I was like, and he came and say, you're right. And we get there at 11 and leave at four. And we're like, where is everyone? I'm like, we never left the kitchen. <laughs> we would sit back in that kitchen forever. Hours. That dank ass kitchen. Yep. God, that was such a fun just, time. Yep. It was the best. Shovel. And New York will never, ever be the same. Mm -mm. Nope. It will not. People it's are. It's the, the phone ruined everything. The phone's ruined the world. It really, truly has. Well, it's like Zuckerberg. That whole that that guy is just not a good guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the, the way that the kids are now corrupted and mentally screwed up. It's just you know, it's, yeah. that's what it's. It's sad. It. I. I think it is sad. I think it's awful that no one is present anymore and it's uh it's unfortunate they're missing out on some really fun times interacting with other people do you, you know do what you the worst thing booker is they don't want to be present that's the worst we right. at least wanted to be around each other and it's like someone asked me the other day um do you ever go on these apps? i mean i've got to go on some apps just to just to keep up whatever, with yeah. Instagram and whatever because my books and that. But I'm like, I try not to, man. I'm, I'm old. I like to just deal with people in person. Mm -hmm. If you don't like me in person, you're not going to like me if I want to come see me speak. <laughs> like, this guy's a fucking crazy strain. He's an asshole. Fuck yeah. Him. <laughs> you know? but well, I, I love you. I love you, man. I'll let you go. Thank you for taking the time. It, hey, books, if you can think of anyone that you think is cool that may want to shoot the shit on the show, there's no pressure, but if you go, oh my God, this guy would be perfect. Okay. It's all about being positive. Fun stories, positivity, having fun, just, you know, giving away good information for people so they can get up the next day and know life's okay because we live in a fucking world full of prats. <laughs> Agreed. Dude, we do. You know, it's like... <laughs> You've got to yeah. tell people it's going to be okay and have some fun. Relax. Don't Smile. Relax. Yeah. Just relax. Calm down. Just Everybody's all up in arms about everything. Like, it doesn't no, matter. So I just say it all the time. It doesn't matter. All this stuff that you people are getting cranked up about, so it doesn't sensitive. matter. <laughs> You're so sensitive. So Triggered. <laughs> what? Triggered. <laughs> Fucking swing. It's the swing pool mentality. Uh, I love the ocean. I did like that. Uh, that uh, way that you you put that out there. That's it's oh, like it's a just, it's just the jungle. Pool. Same thing. Yeah, it's it makes a lot yeah. of sense. The swimming pool. That's where we're from. We we were born up in in, in the ocean, dude. We know how to. Mm -hmm. We know how to face true. We know how to survive. We're not going to drown. 
get a kid from the swimming pool, I'll dunk him out of the fucking water in the ocean, and he's yeah. done. Sharks don't. Fit. We're not afraid of sharks. <laughs> we're just not. You know, it's like sharks. We live with the sharks. The sharks. We That's my neighbor. Yeah. We <laughs> What's up? <laughs> what up? Killing the fish. I gotta work and pay for this crap. <laughs> Love you, brother. Love you, Diamond. Take care, brother. Bye, mate. And that was your dose of positivity with Mike Diamond. Yeah.